0: And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim
1: Palmer. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Captain Jim Palmer, the dream business coach, coming to you from, by the time you hear this, we are going to be in Maryland. And if we're not, something is horribly wrong. But I have a really, really cool guest today from the other side of the country, from uh, Northern California, and she is also a coach, and she works with entrepreneurs and lot of different things. She's got a a word that I'm going to use, which I'm really excited. Michelle Berry-Franco works with executives, founders, and entrepreneurs who want to lead with clarity, conviction, and heart, whether it's their team, their clients, or their audience. With more than 20 years as a high-level speaking and messaging coach, she has helped leaders share their message and story on TEDx stages and at best conferences in their industry. Michelle is committed to helping leaders tap their innate clarity and confidence so they can serve at the highest level in their work. She's the author of Beyond Applause, Make a Meaningful Difference Through Transformational Speaking. Say that five times fast, I dare <laughs> <laughs> Michelle coaches clients one-on-one and facilitates corporate training through brillianceatwork.com. She's also the host of Brilliance at Work podcast. How are you, Michelle?
2: I'm great. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here.
1: Yeah. So we're, we're, we're almost a couple of months. So as you and I are doing this, I think we're just starting to where states are going to ease up and, you know, (laughs) let people out of their cages and their homes and things like that. But um, you were telling me you live in kind of the northern uh, part of California, north of um, San Francisco, I think you said.
2: Yep. Just north of San Francisco out in the country though. So when I, I feel like if I say the San Francisco area it misrepresents the picture, like we don't even get our mail delivered where I live.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh.
2: (laughs) It's out in the country, but we can get to the city in, in just under an hour.
1: Yeah, I think when um we still live in Pennsylvania and um probably about an hour outside of Philly, but we don't say Chester County or X and we say, yeah, we still live in Philadelphia. Yeah, <laughs> People exactly. think that. So I think it hones it in a little bit. Um well I'm really excited because you know, one of the things I help my clients with, and I love to have this conversation, is about messaging and speaking and mm-hmm. you know, writing a book and um, you know, the TEDx talks and so, if, if the folks are wondering what your, what word was Jim talking about, it is messaging, um, but it's also charisma. What a cool word! So that yeah. I see that on your bio a few different times. How did you how did you latch onto that word?
2: I love the word charisma, uh, and and I think the thing you know as a speaking coach, it has people don't say it a lot. Like I, you know, I want you to help me be more charismatic or bring out my charisma. Because then you're admitting
1: you're
2: (laughs) drawing attention to it. Well, and I, I think, but, but I think that's, it, it feels elusive to people. So that's what they're trying to say in a lot of different ways. So it's kind of the best word to describe what a lot of people are trying to reach and become and, and, the thing that i most love to share with people and point them to is that they already have it everyone has it i'm a firm believer that we all have a natural charisma available to us so if, how long have you that- been de-
1: I'm i'm sorry i'm so, I'm so excited i'm gonna oh, yeah. <laughs> excuse myself for interrupting you 100 times today how, so how long have you been doing this like how long have you been teaching people to you know discover and or enhance the charisma they already have
2: Oh, let's see. So uh, I started teaching public speaking in at the college level wow. uh, in 2000. Uh, I think it was 2000,
1: 1999,
2: maybe. Okay. So about is that 21 years?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not trying to ask how old you are. I'm yeah, just, no. I just uh, it's so
2: fascinating to me that that could possibly be the case. <laughs> uh, so that's really when I started helping. I started helping in in the at the college level, and and then you know also started bringing it into corporate environments and all kinds of other places years later. But that's where it started. One thing I want to ask you in high school,
1: Yeah. One thing I want to ask you, Michelle, is because I, you know, when I'm I'm helping three clients like finish their books and then when it comes Mm -hmm. to the about the author page, I always make sure they give it to me before we give it to the editor because nobody can write their own. I am great, you know, (laughs) about the author. And I think what's interesting is, and I don't, you know, fabricate, you know, there's enough. I was born under a bridge and now I earn 12 million dollars and have 12 plane stories, <laughs> yeah. but but people really have accomplished, I think, so much more than they even give themselves mm-hmm. credit for, if That's that makes great. sense. And yeah. I think people have, our, it's, I think there's, you know, I, I believe we're, we're, we are supposed to be humble, right? But yeah. we're also supposed to say, this is what I've done. This is how what I've done can help you, right? So yeah. with your, with your clients, do you find that also they're thinking, I don't, I don't know why anybody would want to listen to me and you start pointing out all the different ways they're going to be an attractive speaker.
2: Yes, people do definitely worry about, they don't want to sound too gloaty or, you know, they're singing their own praises or whatever. There's definitely that. But, you know, I think the thing that, that helps people the most when, when we talk about, when they struggle with that is to really turn it inside out. So what I try to show them is... This, this story's never about you. <laughs> you're about me, your bio, all of it's not about you at all. It is and it isn't. When you get it that you're on this earth, and that just happens to be the people that I work with, these are people who know they're on this earth to serve mm-hmm. with a message and their story. And then you think about that person and what story, what credentials, what, what will allow them to relax and trust you it becomes a service to share what you've done so that they can come learn from you.
1: Do you, do you find you have to give people permission um, to talk a certain way about themselves to, you know, to let their charisma show? I think a lot of people, especially if you've come from a corporate background feel you have to Mm -hmm. be kind of buttoned up, so to speak. And.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. That was actually one of my main motivations. So I worked in corporate after, you know, I taught college and then did a bunch of other things and, and I was working in a corporate environment, and I have these amazing dynamic colleagues and friends. We'd be chatting at our desks, and they're so interesting and fun, and they have incredible, this was in the dot-com era. I lived in right in the center of it, worked with all those brilliant people. They'd walk to the front of the room and literally on the way there, I could see them start like contorting into this automaton, you know, this (laughs) hyper-professional speaker. And I would be sitting there like in the room, you know, at this meeting or whatever, and thinking, what just happened? Like, I talk to them all the time. They're way more interesting and engaging than this. So, and, and part of it is that everyone keeps doing that. <laughs> it's, it's happening less now for sure than it was back then, but everybody's watching and saying, oh, that must be, we all hate it. We hate meetings. We hate these presentations, but also this is how we do it. So they keep modeling that same thing. So yes, definitely by the time I'm working with somebody, they have a lot of that, kind of ingrained often but but it's also what's cool is it's so dissolvable and i say that because I don't, it's not, for me, it doesn't look like permission. It looks like showing them some, a new way to see what they're doing. See, when you come at it from an outside in perspective and you're saying, okay, you know, it's okay. You need to be able to say what you've done. Like their brain has to process that. That's not where it's going to happen. The magic happens when they see something new about what they're doing in service of the world or the people in their audience, then the rest of it falls
1: away. It's so interesting. You know, one of the things um, I started about six or seven years ago doing a uh, my own live event called Dream Business Academy. In addition mm-hmm. to the different, you know, marketing and business building stuff, on, um, on the second morning, I, I taught something and I, I just thought a couple of my friends, a couple of friends of mine that have done these events said, you, you really need to share more than just the usual stuff. Right. Yeah. And they were familiar mm-hmm. with my story. where I, I got laid off. I had four teenagers at home. I was unemployed mm-hmm. for a year, got cancer. I mean, I had a really horrible like year and a half mm-hmm. period mm-hmm. and okay. I got in, I got into horrible debt. And they said, you need to share that? And I'm like, OK, well, so the first time I did, I, I talked for about 40 minutes and I'm very comfortable in front of a group. But for that 40 minutes, I was the ner- most nervous yes. I've been in a long time. And I'm looking out talking about, you know, God, we racked up tons of credit card debt, keeping the Mm. family afloat my early years of business. And I saw two guys in the audience, Michelle, that had tears in their eyes. And then when I took a break, they came up to me privately in the hall and said, I am right now where you were. And thank you for giving me the courage to keep going. (laughs) And that was like, that was a transformational moment. Mm. When I give that talk today, I'll probably go for an hour (laughs) or more, and I'm not nervous at all because I really Mm. felt like being that authentic um, was making a real connection, and that I felt I was really serving the audience that yep. way.
2: Oh man, that gives me chills. That's that's what it's all about. That's what this is about, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's hard to be. It's hard to be enthusiastic about one hundred and forty thousand in credit card debt, but 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 growing you know, becoming debt free. That was an inspirational story. Well, um, and
2: but man, that here is what happens out in the world too much though, and and I think you're really you are part of the solution to this. Everybody just says, man, I was one hundred forty thousand dollars in debt at one point, or maybe they just say I was in big debt, but now I have this big dream life and. It's when you bring people into a window into your world there, what it really felt like, what you were saying to those two men in the audience who are listening to you is, you're okay, this is okay, there's nothing wrong with you, you're not broken or, you know, you're not going to be screwed up forever. You didn't have to say all that because your story says all that.
1: yeah. That was really powerful. So, you do you help people? I guess you help people get ready to deliver TEDx talks, which always fascinate me because aren't they typically like 10 minutes? Is that the format or or is it different?
2: Well, I think this the standard is 18 minutes, although actually there are everything from three minutes to 18 minutes. Oh, wow. Okay. But 18 is kind of the standard.
1: Okay. And how do you, if if somebody is a speaker, they typically might get a minimum half an hour to an hour, I guess, for a typical keynote. How do you help them get it down to something 18 minutes or less?
2: You know, that's the funny thing, right? It's even harder, you know, because you're a speaker. (laughs) People are like, oh, well, can can you, okay, if you can't, if an hour is going to cost this much, can I, what if we have you for half an hour? I'm like, yeah, that'll be double. (laughs) (laughs)
0: because <laughs> that's Double harder.
2: Cuz I got to really work for it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's even more, you know, that the more concise we need to be, the more we really really have to hone in on the message at the heart of of this talk that we're delivering and really just choosing, again, when you do a really excellent audience analysis, who are these people? Why are they here? What do they care about? And where does that meet up and dance with what I'm on this earth to say? (laughs) And you just give them the very best of what you've got around that mission. You can definitely do it in, in 18 minutes or less. It's just work. It takes work.
1: So, um, you are the author of the book, Beyond Applause, Making a Meaningful Difference Through Transformational Speaking. Chapter two is called Your Rooftop Message. Is that a different way of saying your elevator pitch or is that something different?
2: It's a little bit different, but it's, it leads you in that direction. Okay. So, the rooftop message, which is one of the favorite things that people often talk about, um, is was my way of, as I was working with speakers and clients over time, I was trying to figure out a way to just like get them to drop away all the crap they've heard about how they're supposed to say something and what people want and just what at first, first, what do you want to say? And so I, I create this, this sort of visual for them and I, uh, I can take you through it real quick. You want to do it? hmm sure. Okay, so just imagine, and you can decide whether or not you want to answer at the end, but this is how it goes. Uh, you're going to imagine, so you're going to close your eyes and imagine you're in this little town. In this town, the streets are full of people, and these people are struggling, and they're saying to each other, oh, I'm so tired of this. I feel like I've tried everything. I have no idea what I'm going to do. And you're standing among them, and you're thinking, I can totally help you. I can totally help all you people because this is the very thing that you know how to help them solve. But there's so much chaos everywhere that they can't hear you when you try to tell the people around you. So you look over to the right and you see this building. And against this building, there's a ladder that leads up to this reasonably flat roof. So you walk over, you climb that ladder, you stand on the edge of that roof, you cup your hands around your mouth and you say, listen to me, beautiful people. Here is what you need to know to make your lives better. What would you say?
1: Stop playing not to lose and start playing to win. Nice.
2: There it is. There's your rooftop message. Ta-da! There we go.
1: Well, I'm glad I paid attention.
2: And so, you know, there's a lot of like we go from that to a lot of different messaging. I mean, we refine that. So then if you go throughout the process in the book, there's a refined, refined rooftop message. Then we turn that into the stand you take. And each of those gets better and better worded, articulated for the people you're meant to serve. Because of course, you know, sometimes we want to yell from the rooftop just like you. You're like, knock it off, do this, you know. But we know, you know, as someone who's a business coach and helps people do this, that we walk more gently with our clients often. So we can and then I don't mean you're always gentle with them, of course. But as you initiate kind of that process, you might say like, I know this is hard. Of course it is. You know, there's that Yeah. That's not
1: my style too much. So clients, maybe you don't. <laughs> my clients call it t- Jim's tough love. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: But see, even I mean, if we were to dig in, that love part is there, and that's the whole point. Is right. uh, You know, your message turns into something that is full of love, even if it's full of a lot of passion and and toughness.
1: So, um, chapter fifteen in your book is releasing fear, which I think is yeah. a is a is a valuable chapter for any book on speaking because that's the yep. number one fear. Is that what that's about, or is there something? Uh, more, is it a little more narrow than that?
2: Yeah, it's about, it's definitely about releasing fear. And really this kind of comes back to a little bit of full circle here around the charisma. Uh, this is where, this is why I know that everyone has natural charisma. It th- This is the thing in the way. The thing in the way, charisma is about surrender. So I'd like to talk about surrendered speaking. Mm. And the great speakers uh, they do they do many of them do practice a lot they do a lot to get to this place but but really that what we when we're impacted powerfully by a speaker it's because there was a a, a really visceral connection made And that happens by a lot of prep, a lot of intimacy, audience intimacy, I call it, like really understanding them and what they need and want. And then it also happens when we release all the the crap that's in the way of us just saying it, just showing up and sharing what what we're here to share after we've made that really, really rich connection in our minds and in our prep.
1: What do you think the people that are that have a hard time releasing and stepping into their genius as another friend of mine says is it the f- yeah. you know fear of being judged you yeah. know yeah and be, feeling inadequate
2: Yeah and I I'll say this with a lot of love but it's mm-hmm. that they're thinking about themselves Right It always is it's always and if there's anything that I love to just share over and over. And it takes some letting go. It really does because we are trained to think about ourselves. People are judging us. We know that because we judge. <laughs> it's what we mm. do. Like, so we know we're being judged. So if you can show up in spite of that, knowing that there are people in that audience that are so ready for that story that you shared where there's two guys, those two guys, that's all you needed.
1: Right? That's right. Yeah. I think people are like, well, how do I get this whole audience? Well, the fact of the yes. matter is you're not going to win an entire yeah. audience. You just want to win, an, you know, a, a good sized chunk of it, but you're going to make connections with an even smaller handful. And that's, that's why you're there. Right. That's, that's right. Um, you know, when I, so I've written um, seven books and when I wrote my first book, yeah. I, my, my quick story is it took me 18 months to write, to publish it. It took nine months to write it, nine months to get the courage to publish it. <laughs> nice. And I've, my last three books were done in 60 days. And I think yeah. the, the the key for me um, was that I've learned to be okay being imperfect, right? Yes. So I first think, oh, what if there's a missing comma? What if there's, you know, S-O-N instead of S-U-N? Or what if, you know, God, my name's yeah. on the cover. People are going to know I'm a complete English language challenge boob. <laughs> you know, all this <laughs> stuff in your head. Yeah. And then, you know, somewhere along the lines, and I, 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 don't, I don't know if you know uh, Glazer Kennedy Dan Kennedy, Bill Glazer, but Bill gave me yeah. a piece of advice. He said, listen, my, my, my book that's on the bookshelf, people might walk down you know, Barnes and Noble or whatever, and they'll see the cover and they'll pick it up. They might buy it. If they buy it, I've sold a book, but my book is helping them and they might turn into a client. So he says, my imperfect book is better than your perfect book that you still have not published yet. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) exactly In a room of a thousand people, I thought he was looking right at me. (laughs) So, um, so that's, it's like that way when you're a speaker, also you feel I'm just not ready. I need a little more practice. I need to do this, that and the other thing. And they just refuse to put themselves out there.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and it really is a, um, that is why it just, it's my mantra. It's not about you. It's not about you. If you're called, if you are called to serve with your expertise and your stories and your lessons learned, then your job is to release all the crap that's in the way. That's just your job. <laughs> so yeah. you just continually, I mean, it isn't about you when you really get it. I mean, I can't tell you, I've made so many mistakes. I talk about them all the time, mistakes on stage. I just keep showing up because I can't not. I mean, and the more you do it and the more you realize that not only do you survive it, but people come up to you and nobody wants a slick speaker. I mean, it's not what we want. People come up to you and say, thank you so much for, it was so amazing to watch, you know, you recover from that or, you know, I remember what that happening to me and I sat down and couldn't finish my presentation. Now I see that there's a way to stay, still stand there.
1: You got some great expressions. I love what is surrendered speaking. I mean, Mm -hmm. so is that basically just surrendering yourself and and letting the information speak for itself or?
2: Yeah, it's letting go. It's really is that just, but, but I don't, I don't like to, I, I like to be clear that I really believe in a lot of prep. So for me, the most important prep that we do is audience intimacy. And that is just deeply, deeply understanding what our audience is thinking in the middle of the night in their most difficult moments. It is the, you know, ideal audience member avatar or ideal client avatar. Yes. But, but those don't usually get intimate enough. When you've really done that and you really get your people, it genuinely feels like standing up there and saying, I see you, I get you, I know what you want and I'm here to
1: help. Is, um, Oh, Go The clock is ticking way too fast today. Okay. Um, do you think are are people born with charisma, or do they need to be taught it? Does everybody have charisma, and some people have just repressed it for so many years or had it repressed or
2: yeah charisma is is connection. charisma is confidence and connection or a yeah, sense of power, empowerment, and connection and rapport. Everyone has the capacity to show up, be present and but but the only and, and connect with the people that they're serving, the stuff in the way of everyone's charisma. Now, charisma looks different for all of us. The stuff in the way is our thinking. So is all the thoughts about what we're doing wrong. It's about us. So again, the more we the more we get it, this isn't about us. We're not here to be perfect. Our our natural charisma will show show through.
1: That's awesome, Michelle. I've really had a blast with this interview. Wow, is, it, is that That's, it? <laughs> I know it's. Like, I I I look at my clock every once in a while. I like, go, oh my, it's two twenty six. Nine but it's like, wow, that's when you know you. It's been a really really fun conversation. Fun. Yeah. Unlike my fourteenth question about tax code or something, you know. <laughs> well, <laughs> um,
2: thank you. Yeah, that's really been fun. How can when people
1: connect with you? Where where where? Do they, I'm sure your books at Amazon. Is it in bookstores? Yeah. You want them to go to your website. What's all the 411? They can
2: find my book on Amazon. They get a free copy of my book, PDF version of my book at michelleberryfranco.com forward slash free book. So there's a free copy there with a little kind of mini uh, course that guides them through the high level, the the path to thought leadership, which is what the book is about. They can also get it on Amazon.
1: All right. So michelleberryfranco.com. Is there an audio version, by the way?
2: There's not. I've been asked for it multiple times. So
1: I, I know. Well, take it from an author. I resisted just because it seemed like a lot of work. Yeah. But um, on the last three books, I, I created audio versions and I think they sold a ton more. Oh. And um, the hard mm-hmm. part was creating uh, a home studio in which to do it. And if just between you and me and whoever else is listening, my home studio is my old bedroom closet. <laughs> <'cause> <laughs> I, I literally went in there with a laptop and my USB mic on a, on a, TV tray and I just read my book and it and people love audios. So I people, oh my god! I listen to your book. I had a guy in Vegas said, yeah, I, I popped it in and by the time I got to LA, it was over five hours later and it was good. So anyway, oh, I, know I it's love a, it. It's a lot of work, but from one author to another, you, you should really do that because like okay. people love to listen while they travel, while they exercise, etc. Yeah.
2: I do too. I love audiobooks. So yeah,
1: there you go we have to take our own medicine, right? <laughs> That's right, <laughs> Michelle, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure having you on dream business radio.
2: Yes. Thank you.
1: Hey folks, make sure you go check out Michelle Berry Franco at michelleberryfranco.com and forward slash free book. I think it's what she said to get a free copy of the book. Um, connect with me at getjimpalmer.com or anywhere between Florida and new England, depending what time here it is. But, uh, until this time next week, another fantastic interview. I'm captain Jim Palmer, the dream business coach and you take good care.